Inside Westminster, Chapter 182, Prison Woes and Tiara Tantrums. Well, lady, drawled the rather large prison guard, we're going to unlock the cuffs on your wrists, not the ones on your ankle or waist, to enable you. Enable me to do what? questioned the stark naked lady with a cut glass English accent. Splay your own butt cheeks, the guard replied. Anushka Blackwell's knees nearly gave way and she had to be rescued from collapsing on the harsh concrete floor by an equally burly guard who should had great difficulty determining whether she was in fact a he. Oh, we'll do it for you, barked the first guard, who seemed to be in charge. And here's a comb to part your pubes with. Don't want any tiny batteries or such glued in there. And so the final degradation of this once bird of paradise bent over, pulling her own arse cheeks apart so that her cavities, which some prisoners used to stash stuff, could be inspecting, inspected and teasing apart her thick, once expensively waxed and trimmed pubic hair. Tears streamed down Blackwell's burning cheeks, made up for the first time since she had learnt that Daddy Dearest had a soft spot for blushing peachy skin. This was how the ex-girlfriend of Gregory Upstein, confidant to the rich and famous, including royalty, had ended up, sporting paper clothing as she was deemed a hanger, living in a per- perpetually lit cage with a stainless steel loo in the corner, a sink but no shower, watched through a camera suspended from the ceiling which ominously swivelled with her every movement and tray meals delivered at unearthly times, breakfast at seven, lunch at eleven and dinner at four. In her former life, more often than not, she'd never bothered to get out of bed until what had now become dinner time. And yes, she'd enjoyed breakfast on a tray, but these had been brought to her by a gloved houseboy or by one of the beautiful young Nubiles she'd pimped for Greg's. But the final straw came later that day. Your high and mighty sisters don't hold no sway here, lady, shouted one of the guards. Four million dollar bail's been denied, so here's your home for the next year, the guard's accomplice, a tattooed inmate, held honest enough to carry out menial tasks like wheel the metal meal trolley around, said with such glee that Blackwell knew she'd be in danger as much from these so-called officials as from the other prisoners. Meanwhile, in another place of danger and intrigue, the Palace of Westminster, numpties were appointed. Released from their appointment, whilst a competent doctorate-level candidate was appointed, who had ill-advisedly sought help from the opposition, and then said original numpty was reappointed. This game of musical chairs was being played over the post for none other than the head of the Intelligence and Security Committee in a singularly insecure and laughable manner that made a mockery of the job's title. Original said Numpty was also a man who appeared incapable of producing usable timetables for the country's rail system. How much more important was this current security post and how much damage could this chap inflict? but he was Benedict Morgan's choice and that was all that mattered these days. The dismissed, oops, promoted to a senior position in NATO chap, the ISC's former head, Sir Rupert Lester, had held that post for years until last week 
when he wryly admitted that he had been glad to be released from his duties with the current cabinet as it had increasingly been operating like a cross between a fascist and communist regime. Total loyalty being demanded and any dissent being obliterated immediately and ruthlessly, as shown by the current debacle. Democracy is dead, Sir Rupert was wont to complain to whomever appeared willing to listen, but these days with the ghosting and cancelling culture favoured by the likes of the Winchesters, most of those within earshot scarpered off in the opposite direction. And then, in the beautiful compound inhabited by Prince Rupert and Sassy, a loud roar was heard, the two delightful photographs of the latest royal, this time of the blood variety, though heaven knows who'd want to admit you'd been sired by Prince Marcus, were there in full view on Sass's screen. That's the one I wanted, Sass screeched. What's that, my love? asked Ted innocently. The tiara, you numbskull, responded Sass vehemently, continuing, don't tell me you've forgotten how your granny insulted me by not letting me wear that one. But, but, stammered T Teddy, I loved the one you wore. It made you look like the most beautiful royal that has ever lived. Suitably assuaged, Sass calmed down, for which Teddy was grateful as he had to break some rather bad news. Their patron, billionaire rap star Joe Cundy, had issued a time limit on their freeloading in his mansion. Yikes, Teddy had thought. What now?